Summit 40. Hey, we are back. That sound you heard at the very beginning was Laura yawning. Oh, sorry. Did I interrupt the theme song? Uh, no, it was it, what kicked it off. Uh, so it's Very appropriate, I think, actually. Welcome back to another week of Our First Time at 40, the story of two middle-aged folks who are entering the home buying game for the very first time. We're first-time homeowners who happen to be in their 40s. My name's Nicholas. As always, I'm here with my wife, Laura. Yo, yo. And we, you know, have been chronicling this search and now kind of uh, process of actually buying a house for the last month and a half, two months or so. It's been quite a process that's either been, you know, full of exciting new things or stressful things or depressing things or very fast moving things. And this week has been markedly different. Mm -hmm. How would you describe this past week? How I w- Okay, this is exactly how I would describe anybody who has kids, maybe you can relate. If you remember, let's say you have two kids and one goes to school and all of a sudden isn't with you anymore all day long and you feel like you're forgetting something the whole day long and looking around like, uh, there's something wrong, there's something missing. That's what this week was like. Every other week, we've had a billion appointments, a billion phone calls. We talk to our realtor multiple, multiple times a day. We talk to the bank multiple times a day. There is literally a paper stack as high as our littlest son every day to fill out. Nothing. It's been really quiet. So it felt like an appendage was missing, that kind of sensation. What are we forgetting? There's something amiss. That's what it felt like. So quiet. There certainly was no preparation for this point. So to catch people up, we are in escrow on a house. This is the second time we've been through it. First time kind of fell through. Second time seems to be going well. And, you know, we had this flurry of inspections and questions from the lender and, you know, getting bids on things to make sure that we were going to be able to afford anything that needed to be fixed. And it was all very, very fast. That was a very short window once our offer was approved. And now once we got past that 10-day window, we signed a piece of paper saying that we, you know, we we are done with our inspection contingency. And that was our last chance to back out. Right. Apparently, once you have waived all of your contingencies you can no longer back out. So I don't know what we're still doing in this kind of weird halfway process. I guess waiting for our loan to get approved. Yeah, we're just waiting for the bank to get the money together to pay the people. And yet they approve you three times. Mm -hmm. So we can get Mm -hmm. into that as far as what this loan approval process means. But I think the important thing is we're pretty much just kind of in it and waiting. And that's what this week has been is just waiting. Very strange. And no one talking to you. No one. I mean, you are, I don't know if it's like this in every city. In this city, there's things that happen so quickly because it's such a seller's market. And 100% of the time, you're just, you're, you're sprinting and you're part of your making an offer on the house package to make yourself look good is you make the windows as tight as possible your loan is delivered as quickly as possible. Your inspections are done as quickly as possible. 
you give up every other right that you own and there's a ton of paperwork involved and you're on the phone with all the people all the time and arranging all the things. And it's another full-time job, wouldn't you say? I mean, totally. Really, yeah. And shopping for the house is another full-time job. I mean, we were out beating the street all the time on the phone with our realtor, stalking the listings. Oh, there's a new one today. Let's Do we like it? Do we want to book it? So all that busy work all the time. This week was nothing new. Yeah, it was really, really, really scary quiet. So we did our real jobs this week. <laughs> well, and we would hit them up. Like we, you know, or Laura, I should say, would hit up the lender and say, hey, is there anything we need to do? Nope, we're just waiting on the underwriter, which is still the just worst sounding <laughs> title. Uh, waiting on the underwriter, I guess, and then waiting on final approval and everything's looking good. We will let you know. It was very much like, you'll hear from us if you need, if we need something. And they've really said and nothing. they've needed something 20 times a day until now. Yeah. Now it's just, what, what, what else do you, if you don't need anything, why, what are you doing? I would love to know what they're doing. No idea. Certainly they must be doing something. I think they have to get the money now, basically. And that takes a minute. It's a lot of money. I guess. I guess, but aren't these transactions just happening all the time? I feel like yeah. that money's just there. Well, you know, I don't know. How many houses are being sold every day? But you're in all a the line. Time? It's probably like you're at the airport and you're queued up for be. the runway. That could I be. I mean, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If they're just, you know, if you're in a queue mm-hmm. and just waiting for your turn, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know. It's been it's been kind of. Um, unnerving is not the best word for it but just kind of like is it good are we good is this over is anything else happening yeah i'll tell you another i thought of another analogy just now all right here's what it was like also so you're dating you go on some dates you're really excited about your dating prospect everything feels really good and then all of a sudden for whatever reason maybe you don't talk for a couple weeks right and then are we still dating are we dating do I, am I excited about this guy? I think I was, I remember being happy when I was with him. I think I was excited. Mm. That's what the house is like. We haven't seen this house that we're paying all of our do entire money. Do I still want to give him all of my ever, life savings? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't been over there for two weeks. We, yeah. And you see it for what, 15 minutes? And we mm-hmm. saw it at the walkthroughs with the people, but you're busy. And now we're, a couple weeks without being there. I remember liking it when we were there. It is funny. It's very weird. How there are large purchases in life. And the, the biggest ones for most people, I would imagine, outside of whatever you're doing to start a business, I suppose. But personally, it's a car or a house. And both of them you see for a very mm-hmm. short period of time before you buy them. Before you dump all your money you've ever had on it. Yeah, yeah. like a car you see for 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. And then you and then you just buy it. And a house is not that different. You would no. think that it would be. And maybe for some people it is. But for us, it was like we saw it literally for 15 minutes. Yeah. We might have overstayed our welcome by like five or mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And then you make your offer and you don't see it again until... It's Here's, go time. It's you. Yeah. Like we didn't see it again. There until should be we, some like Airbnb it. happening. Yeah. We should be able to camp up in yeah. there. Nope. You should. You should be able to stay yep. for a week. 
What are the ghosts? What are the, you know? Mm. Yeah. Nope. When's it going to start rattling from the elevated train right next door? Yep. We don't know. You don't don't know until you move in. You pay all of your money. You get a vibrating house. Hmm. Yep. That is like part of the potential con artist aspect of this is you are locked in quite heavily. Like you're locked into your house more than you are to a marriage, I would argue. I would think that's Because a marriage, yeah. you can still, like, you can still be married and just separate. The house, like, you are bound by mm-hmm. chains to that thing mm-hmm. until you get rid of it. And you really don't get to know it all that well nope. before bi- before the binding happens. Nope, you get a little peek around the corner. That's it. Yeah. It is very arranged marriage style. So, you know, I, I as far as, like, the events of the week, there isn't much to report except for that. And I, and I wish... That I had been prepared for it, um, you know. I, yeah, I, I. There are circumstances in my life where you really are expecting one thing just because of what it is in your head, and everyone prepares you for this. You know, the flurry of activity that we experienced last week, but no one really prepares you for the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where we are. Yeah, which is okay. All that's done. We're not fixing it yet. And so now we're just kind of waiting and hoping that it's all still real. Mm -hmm. We haven't paid for it. Like our money is very soon to drain out of our bank account. But right now that's, it's easy to just exist in this little bubble of nothingness. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm like doing math on my calculator on my computer all the time. I am not at all because I think it's (laughs) all faulty. Well, it's not. I mean, it's it's it, it's actually for me, it's comforting to know that, you know, math is math and the math is working. Mm-hmm. You know, one, the math for the down payment and the repairs and two, the math for the mortgage payment, given our current income, is working. Yeah. Of course, that'll all change over the years when we're kind of paying this mortgage for decades to come and we'll have to adjust but like i've said before i i just have to i just have to believe that's the betting on ourselves part that i'm more than willing to just believe we can make work mm-hmm. so um really the the only thing um other than that to talk about the, as it relates to the current situation is the closing costs are substantial um you know not necessarily in relation to the cost of the house but in you know in relation to anything else you're talking talking about thousands of dollars and any thousand dollar purchase you know multi thousand dollar purchase you make in your life is something that you probably put quite a bit of thought into and the closing costs are this kind of moving target thing that are dependent upon I don't know what, and also your um, your uh, interest rate. So what happens with your closing costs is it's a set amount that I guess the banks and the escrow company decide upon. I think there's a lot of state-based things and numbers that come into it. I'm sure there's percentages of the pur- purchase price, um, but... The other funny thing that enters into it is you are talking to your lender and you decide on the interest rate uh, 
that you want to go with. Right now, they're very low, but you can go lower. And the way you go lower is you buy your way lower. So there's like the basic one where they say, hey, if you take this one, we'll take money off of your closing costs. Mm -hmm. Up to almost for us, almost half Mm -hmm. of the closing costs. And this is a significant amount of money. This is thousands of dollars we're talking about. Of course, we're getting lost in the, you know, huge down payment that we're putting down. But this this closing cost thing can be brought down if you go with a regular interest rate. Now, if you want to go with a lower interest rate, of course, your monthly costs are going to be lower, but then you got to pay for that. Even the first one, like you go from a getting a credit, the next one you go with, you have to pay for. And then it gets exponentially higher. You can go lower than that, pay even more. Lower than that, pay a ton mm-hmm. uh, right here at closing. And then you're paying less every month. So, of course, of course... In the long run, you'd want to buy it down to zero because that's going to benefit you over the course of the the term of the loan. But when you're talking about life savings issues <laughs> where all of your cash is going away in this down payment and then, you know, oh, well, we can actually make that a little bit easier by just not doing anything or we could buy our way down in our interest rate. Uh and right now, as far the way I'm feeling about it is things are so thin, like, you know, we're basically spending as much as we possibly can to still just, you know, live and get by. We're not going to be destitute, but it's enough to be comfortable um, that we kind of decided to just take that credit, go with the highest, quote unquote, interest rate, which is still a really good interest rate right mm-hmm. now here in early 2021 um, and not buy our way down. So. For me, it wasn't much of a thought because we need the money now. I, I get it, and I get the smart play is the long-term version, but I just don't think we're in that position. If you had all the money in the world, you just buy it down to a zero or as close as you could get to zero. So I'm curious how you felt about that uh, decision and what kind of was going through your mind when that was presented to us today, actually, I think. like She well, just double-checked no, today. She double-checked, but we had been presented that before, right. initially. This is It's not new information, but she did a double-check saying, okay, talking about the bank. She, um, We're getting ready to finalize, sign all the dotted lines. I just wanted to check in, make sure you guys are happy with where you are. Did you want to buy down? Um, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think... Yeah, over the long term, if you can, the smarter plays, obviously, you end up better in the end if you have a lower interest rate because you will come out ahead. For us, it is specifically after three years, we start making up mileage and coming out ahead. But it's not a lot. I mean, it's not a lot. It's less than $100 a month of our monthly payments. And in the scheme of things... I can live with that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And we I, have lots of fixes we need to do to the house. We have, it's a difference of paying money, more money out of our cash versus not. And, you know, right now makes sense to do that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that this was something that you could do and I, and I didn't really understand the mechanics of it. And I'm sure it's something that, when you're talking about higher interest rates, um, it would make a lot of sense if you were at a time when interest rates weren't what they are now. But I think the interest rate we're probably getting 
just baseline right now um, would be something that people would at other times die to buy their, themselves down mm-hmm. to. So I think that's also kind of a you know forest for the trees kind of thing right. is that we're getting a good interest rate. We have a historically low interest rate from no the job. How you slice it, so we'll yeah, how greedy do you want to get? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think we are fortunate in that we are at this time in history when the interest rates are low, and I think that's also why it is so competitive. Um, COVID also has everybody antsy, us included, to get the heck out of the house and get some new surroundings. And I don't, you know, uh, you know, I feel like that's kind of okay. Like everybody's coping with this differently and, you know, making a solid investment being a result of COVID is probably one of the better things to come out of Mm -hmm. this whole silly experience, tragic experience. Um, so that's um that's kind of the 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 only thing we really discussed this week and the only thing we had any control over um and that's that's really where things are at so um i i wrote down you know i, I because it was kind of a more quiet week i had written down some ideas of things we could talk about um the first of which and this doesn't have to be long, but I feel I don't know if we ever really had the opportunity to kind of go back and talk about our experiences um, in homes over the course of our lifetime mm-hmm. and how that may have affected the decisions that you've made up until this point. Meaning, you know, what kind of a house did you grow up in? What did you always kind of see as an idea? idealized home or what did you want as an adult that maybe was different than you grew up in? In other words, like what's the context for how you got to this point? So I felt like we could kind of both go through that and maybe do a little reflection on how our lives have influenced this kind of spontaneous decision. Going deep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I grew up in the same house my whole life. It was a, you know, suburban kind of on the border of suburban and country, I would say. We had <laughs> There was a farm down the road. There was a farm behind my house. Yeah. <laughs> um so we had a you know, we were in a little subdivision, but we were at the edge of it, so we had a big lot, big backyard that went way back, but then there was a chain link fence and behind the chain link fence were the farmers' cows. So growing up there would sometimes be cows out yonder. Um but it was very, it felt very suburban. I grew up with a bunch of other little girls that were in my school. I was in the same house my whole entire life. My parents lived there for a few years before they had me and then my younger sister. Um, they thought at various points, they even looked around a little bit about moving. They wanted, you know, the bigger house, the moving on up thing. We begged them not to move. We loved our house. We loved our place. We loved our school. We loved our friends down the street and it was really I don't know it was really like the 80s child idyllic existence we rode bikes around the neighborhood we played in the back there were four sets of sisters that were the same ages as my sister and I we always had people we were running around in packs together I kind of think like the neighborhood in ET or something a hundred percent that's exactly right yeah there was a little our 
parents were best friends with the neighbors across the street. We were best friends with the daughters. Right next to them was what we called the forest. And as I grew up, I realized it was just a lot that didn't have a house on it. And there were trees there. But when we were little, it was the forest. <laughs> and we went there and played and people had tree houses and hid things up at certain points in trees. And we, I mean, we just spent a lot of time. So that's, you know, to me, my whole background until I went to college and then there were dorms for two years. There was an apartment for a year that was a complete college, dumpy, you know, college life apartment, right. which was fun. And then a house for a year that was a duplex shared with some club hockey guys on the other side of the wall. And it was gross, but nice. I don't know. Both things at the same time. And then I moved to L.A., and it, you know, and I've been in rentals ever since and in various degrees of apartments and the place that we're in now is certainly the nicest of those and the more home-like of those. There are people that we're in a condo right now. It's a complex of maybe 50 units. Lots of people have been here for years and years. Lots of people here have raised families here. So it feels, I, I moved to LA because I wanted to be in a city and have things accessible and I like the excitement and I like being able to walk to things and reach things and have culture around us and all the things and this is kind of a compromise between both of those things I guess yeah. I've never minded living with people on either side of us um, fortunately we have really really amazing neighbors to one side it's vacant she lives um, with her elderly mother in a different place she's never there to the other side are people who have raised their kids there and whose kids are now grown and they don't mind hearing our kids screaming all the time yeah. <laughs> inside or outside. They think it's nice. It reminds them of their kids and they're the nicest, nicest people. And that's been a really nice connection for us to have here. The kids love them. We love them. So that's one thing, like as we now move into this new chapter in a single family home, I will miss that actually. It does feel like a little community she's always had like ideas on or or you know pointers on mm -hmm. what she did in this very specific setup with her kids which mm -hmm. have, has always been helpful because it is non-traditional you know we don't have a yard and yada yada it's all cement in the back and cars and limited space and, and she's always got ideas and you know where they put their basketball hoop and yeah 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 so that has been very helpful so um not to interject, but that has been a huge benefit that's probably, you know, in some way kind of sustained our interest in staying here mm -hmm. is because we do have such great neighbors. Yep. Absolutely. And two doors down from them, there's another family with kids a little bit older than ours, but a really, really lovely family. And they also have raised two sets of kids here. And I don't know, it's been a really nice place to be. Um we have a little swimming pool that the boys love and live in. So there's a lot of, you know, it's and it's been easy. It's we're we've lived here a lot of years, so our rent has never been raised. We think we're pretty good tenants. Coming up on a decade yeah. with no rent increase, yeah. Which is insane. So what we're what we're paying, if we were to move into another rental right now, we would be paying almost as much as a mortgage anyway. Right. That part of the reason why mm -hmm. it inspired us to buy is cuz we have been able to save money mm -hmm. and have something to have cash yep. to spend and also, you know, do we want to start in 
investing the money we're spending every month or do we want to yeah. continue to rent? Yeah. And our first step actually was to ask our landlord, hey, would you ever be interested in selling? Because we thought, well, maybe that'd just be the easiest thing to do. We know we like the location. We know it's workable. But she wasn't interested. So that's kicked off our, our journey. But I guess, yes, back to the original question. In my mind, you know, there's always been the house. I mean, that's just what you eventually are in as a family. Um, so I think it's pretty exciting that we were able to save enough and actually able to do that in the neighborhood where we are and want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. So over to you. Yeah, I my my childhood was quite different in that there was no consistency when it came to location. We lived in rentals. My dad was military, so we moved every three years and we rented every three years. My parents owned a house, bought it maybe like right when I was born, um, but never really. I mean, I had no connection to that ownership or home ownership. It never really came up. They just rented it out and eventually sold it. But, um, and I think that neighborhood went downhill too. So I don't even know if they made much money off of it. Anyway, the, uh, you know, the way we grew up was so, uh, nomadic. We lived in different types of neighborhoods. We lived in wealthy neighborhoods. We lived in urban neighborhoods. We lived, you know, in military housing. Um, we lived, you know, in the country. Um, there were just, you know, one place we lived was right next to a massive, not a highway, but like, you know, probably six lane road. And another place was kind of like where you were near a farm. And, you know, um, sometimes we were in surrounded by really rich people. Um, and, you know, other times we were, you know, by other military people just like us. And we were used that we're all used to people coming in and out. And that was kind of a, a thing that really made a huge difference when you would be around other military people because you all understand that you have to make fast friends and then get used to saying goodbye. Whereas when you move to a place where everybody just lives forever, they're not quite, they don't understand that psychology or that, that process. So, um, the, the buying of the house was foreign to me. Anything stable was totally foreign to me. And when I went to college, I moved every year and it felt great. I loved it. I, you know, every year I would go back to college for four years, it would be a new place and it would either be on campus or it would be with a roommate or it would be by myself or it'd be off campus. And I'd have a little, you know, my own little palace my senior year in an off-campus crappy apartment. And then when I moved to LA, it just kind of extended that. And the first few years in Los Angeles, you know, moved from one place to another. And then uh, eventually uh, after, I think, three places and maybe four years. Um, uh, I moved into my own place. That might've been my third, uh, but moved into my own place. And that was really great. It was an apartment in a crappy neighborhood. And then when you and I met, I uh, moved in with you. And so that was just another move. Um, and so it was a long series of moving, um, all of the places I should add growing up were all homes. We never lived in uh, apartments or we never lived in townhomes. It was all single family homes. So that at least was something that felt normal. And then when we moved in together, I think you broke your record of living in one place. Yeah. 
for the longest time. When the first then, place we lived in, yeah. yeah. And now that we've been here, broke the record. Broke yeah. the record again. So this is the longest you've ever been anywhere in your whole entire life. Yeah. So does that feel strange to be leaving behind? Absolutely not. Ready. Yeah. Ready to get on the road again. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't feel any, I I don't feel, literally, I feel nothing when it comes to moving. And it's not even that it's a cold thing, but I just don't. It's just how you've lived your whole life. Yeah. I mean, do you? Like, are you going to feel like you missed this place? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I am, for sure. And I think we're also, you know, whether it's product of how we grow up or personalities, whatever, like, I think we're pretty different in that way. I am not a liker of change in general. You generally welcome change yeah seek it out yeah yeah so there's that um i am excited about the place i know we're gonna love it i think it's gonna be great but i do i mean i have this is where i mean we moved here when our first child was about a year old and had our second child here and brought him home we have we have you know friends next door there's a lot of memories we're all happy here so there are all those things. We've had our families here, um, you know, a couple members of which are no longer with us. So those memories are tied for me. Yeah, for sure. Which I get. I mean, that makes sense. I think the thing that maybe is. I think the thing that we fell in love with, and obviously you have feelings about the house, but I also feel like this neighborhood in mm-hmm. general is more, I'm more connected to the neighborhood. That would be way harder house. for me to leave than Agreed. where we live. I agree with and that. And we're not leaving it. Yeah, I we're agree with We're literally that. less than a mile away. I think, yes, I, 100%. I would have had probably a pretty hard time if we really switched things up. Well, we didn't. We kept, oh, you mean, we kept I, even backing if, out of... Yeah. Even if we options. went, even if we yeah. went to you know a place a few miles away, I still don't know if I would feel as yeah yeah. Like I if agree. we moved out of state or if we moved to a different city, that would be a lot harder for me. Yeah, but in the general vicinity of like a four mile radius, okay. I would have been okay. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Which is where we were looking. Yeah, true. But, but now, we, as it happens, we're yeah. literally in the exact same neighborhood. Yeah, but we, I mean. We really did. I mean, that did anchor us. We looked at things that were five miles away or six miles away, and it we we kept feeling the really strong pull to stay literally right where we are. Yeah, we called it the the dead zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because where we are does have access, and that it's means it means such a, a a great deal to have. You know, even now, like where we're gonna be isn't as close to shops and restaurants, but it's still possible i do the walk every day as a fraction of my walk you know to go from where we're going to be to where all Mm -hmm. the shops and restaurants and beach and all that stuff is so you know it's not out of range um and so i feel like that to me it makes it so much easier and so Mm -hmm. much more enticing so it preserves the possibility yeah and 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 the neighborhood i mean we can we when we went to look at this house we walked we didn't even drive to it we walked to it because it is less than a mile away so i feel like that really softens the blow and you know for crying out loud it's within the same little tiny school Mm -hmm. zone for the boys so the boys don't even need to change schools so you know, I I think I guess that's that's really kind of the point of these two backgrounds is, 
you know, you have kind of had stability for the most part. Um, and, and I've been used to change and that's, I think maybe Mm -hmm. part of the reason why I was the one that spurred this on and not you. Um, but I think you are going to end up in a situation and the boys will be in a situation, um, by the time they're grown where this house will feel like their home. I, I mean, I have no doubt. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited. I don't feel it feels a little bit bittersweet, but it's more excited than not for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I went through, I mean, the thing, here's the other thing that happened this week. We started, I started telling people, particularly our neighbor that we're really close to. So that made me feel a little sad. That's probably where the nostalgia is coming from. Um, but you know, as much as you, you know, you know, you try to keep up relationships, et cetera. It's just, it, there is a different thing about being right here attached to them. And we run into each other in the driveway and, you know, there's, yeah, when that goes away, it's different and it just is, there's no getting around it. So, um, you know, going through that in my mind and the conversation is a little sad, but we'll be, you know, I'm, I have no doubt that we're going to be very, excited and happy once we get there and get settled next all our new maga neighbors oh no (laughs) wait what (laughs) have you seen something no i just i just assume that everybody that owns a house in this area person we haven't had that conversation (laughs) i mean we're moving into a maga house we found out that Uh, well are they i don't know if they're maga no i don't know if they're maga yeah no they just like they just like hunting actually i think yeah that's not necessarily the same thing true um, the, uh, the, so it's, I think, you know, I think that's important, you know, contextually and also, mm-hmm. you know, um, we'll see, we'll see, uh, if this feels like something brand new or if it somehow feels like a hybrid version of what we, what we grew up with, certainly not what we, what we've lived with as adults, but also at 40 years old, um, which is kind of the theme of this whole discussion is you know it also kind of feels like okay you know it's time Mm -hmm. you know and and i and i hate to say that because i've never been one to feel like i need to settle down or grow up but also you know there is a certain feeling of financially making that monthly payment work for you Mm -hmm. um which is something i've always knew existed but never really cared about um, and then just all of a sudden, and maybe it was cause I turned 40. I don't know, but uh, all of a sudden it just seemed like maybe that is something we should look into. There was such a weird quick shift for you because you were not interested in hearing no, about it. Never cared about entertaining it. Entertaining it. No. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it was either. I at think, one point. I think it's because you've been stuck in this house for a year. I think any way out you're going to take. That's what I think it is. Totally. And this house is falling apart and it is going to feel nice to be out of it and <laughs> being a not. It is falling it's apart. Nice. It's literally falling apart. It's not. It's a nice place. Any house is going to fall apart a little bit. Right, but we can't do anything about yeah, this one. That's true. So it's going to be nice cuz the one we're moving into is also falling apart. Yeah. And that's okay because we can actually do something about it without fear of someone raising the rent. That's true. You know, I've lived it's in our fear. Yeah. Of landlords and rent increase my entire adult life. And it's now, you know, you look at something, it's like, oh, I don't want to say anything about that. 
I don't want to do anything about that. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and let that thing be crappy because mm-hmm. it's not mine to fix. Or, oh, you know, this, whatever. I mean, uh, the shower head broke. Um, so rather than go to Home Depot and buy a new one for 20 bucks, I'm going to super glue it and not say anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's like that kind of thing where I can just go buy a new GD shower head and that's okay. You know, whereas you do something like that in a rental and you just feel dumb. Like, why am I putting any money into this yeah. thing? Um, so the ability to kind of, uh, upgrade and change and own it, you know, 10 years ago, I would have hated to hear these words coming out of my mouth, but just just all of a sudden it makes sense. So hated. But, you know, also I think I know that we're not going anywhere. Yeah. That was the other thing. It was always like, oh, well, you know, when you rent, you can just give them 30 days notice and you're out and we're not going anywhere. You know, that's pretty certain at this point. Both boys are now in school. Kids change the equation on that. Yeah. I mean, even when when the kids were preschool, you could go wherever you want, do whatever you want. And now when you're kind of tied down by this ball and chain of school, which isn't a bad thing. It's true, though. Like, you, you know, you don't uproot kids from schools if you can avoid it. So it is like, OK, we're here. We like it. Let's go Let's ahead really and invest. Stay. Yeah. yeah, which 100 percent makes sense. So, um, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about talking about this week uh, was other firsts at 40 that are going on in our lives. And we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this before we uh, go say goodbye. It might be a shorter episode than normal. Let next week, I'm sure, will be much more interesting uh, because next week, just to tease it, uh, our closing. record date is our closing date. Oh, I hadn't even looked at that yet. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is so exciting. Um, other first at 40, though. Uh, the first one, which is obvious and we've mentioned before, is podcasting. Never podcasted before. Um, and just to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of what we're doing is we're sitting at our kitchen table. We have uh, a couple of microphones that we have used for years for our Christmas Eve show, which is something that I inherited from my dad, who inherited from his dad, which is every Christmas Eve, you record the family singing songs and doing skits, um, and you do some magic, and you hold a microphone, and it's very, to me, tactilely important for kids to hold a microphone when they're performing in this show. It's just something that's always existed in the family. So we had these microphones, and we had this little... um, it's called a uh, Scarlet uh, USB XLR input that I got at Garage uh, Center a couple of years ago. It's I, I asked them for a podcasting you know device, and you plug your XLR mics into it. You plug that via USB into your computer, and then all of a sudden, bam, you've got microphone input. Uh, and then I recorded onto GarageBand, which is at this point in time very easy to figure out. And then upload it to an RSS feed that you have to pay a month or a yearly subscription for. Then all you do is you go to all these different broadcasters or podcasters or whatever you want to call them, distribution outlets. Uh, and all you do is you give them your RSS feed link, whatever information you want about the podcast, and then boom, there it is. So you go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, TuneIn Radio. Um, uh, wherever else we are, uh, Stitcher, 
Um, and Dora, the holdout. Well, I was going to get to that. Okay, sorry. All those places, it's okay. All those places, you know, it takes a couple days, maybe, and they go, boom, then you're in. And then every time you update your RSS feed that you're paying your subscription for, which is for us, a website, um, you put in your own new podcast and then it shows up magically in all those places because it's just set up to that link. The one holdout all this time was Pandora. So all these other places, it's like you could just be literally screaming into the microphone for 10 minutes and they'll go ahead and throw it on their thing. But Pandora, apparently, and I looked it up, uh, it goes through with a fine-tooth comb and listens and makes sure that your audio quality is good and your content is up to their standards, I guess. Uh, Maybe that you're being, you know, uh, religious about uploading new content whatever pandora was and and i I read that it takes like four to six weeks and it was like six weeks into this thing every time i would go check which was not every day but maybe once a week it would say pending approval and just today i went in and looked and we were approved so we are apparently on pandora (laughs) even though i looked at pandora right now and we're still not there but maybe that takes time too but pandora if you're going into podcasting which if you're listening to this it would be weird if you were but if you are thinking about it, don't be surprised if Pandora takes forever to pick up your thing. I would like to know how many people are going to Pandora anyway to even listen to podcasts. No, yeah. Apparently, there's a bunch of different ways people do it, uh, and we're on most of them, and now we're on Pandora. So, um, you know, the file is an MP3 file. You upload it, put in all, you know, whatever tags you want to put on and a description, and then boom, it goes everywhere. Uh, our microphones at first were, uh, we were just holding up onto stacks of various boxes. We actually got some microphone stands, got some very fancy popper stoppers, and it's turned into a little bit of a hobby. So that's a little bit of background on how we're doing this, uh, for the first time ever, just kind of learning as we go. Um, and it, to me, it's been fun to look forward to something where we're just doing as a hobby. And I'm kind of curious since you're just along for the ride. Um, and, and I say that just because I've kind of taken a liking to doing all these other things. I'm curious how you feel about this moment in time every week where we just talk into a microphone to, for all intents and purposes, a very, very small <laughs> listening audience. Well, I assume which may change someday. someday I we might be a hit. That my listening audience is only you. I do not like to lean into my microphone as we've discovered because I just like to sit back in my chair and talk to you like we're just talking. Mm-hmm. I do not I cannot talk thinking about that we are hanging out with other people listening to what we're saying. Sure. That's horrifying. It's very I work in an industry. My job is to tell other people what to say. I'm in PR. I do not like to be the one saying the things. I is not my deal. I am a squarely behind the camera. But you're very natural. Which is fine, but I don't like it. I don't like it. So you don't like doing this every week? No, I do, but only because it's just like we're talking to each other. But right now, because I'm making sure that I'm very close to the mic, it sounds echoey. I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like thinking about other people listening. I don't like any kind of voyeurism in our lives. But if I just like shut that all out and we're just hanging out at the kitchen table talking, I think these are really good conversations. What I do like about it is that we're kind of documenting this journey. Like I do think that will be fun to someday 
have our kids listen to while we were going through it. We don't do anything else like this where we're recording moments. So I think that's nice. I like it from the legacy standpoint, I guess. But we do tend to have good conversations about whatever's happened. So I look forward to kind of digesting what's gone on in the week. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, and I and I also I, I agree. I think it's mostly kind of a strange form of therapy, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's it's a, it's an opportunity in, in our relationship just to talk through these things in a format that we normally wouldn't. I mean, I think we communicate pretty well, but this is like you're kind of like on stage and have to think about what you're saying. Yeah, you actually have to talk versus it's very easy. Once our kids go to bed, we have dinner at nine o'clock or whatever. We turn on the TV. We look at your you phone. Know, yeah. We talk about whatever business of the day that we have to, but we don't necessarily just chat about what the experience felt like on that given day. It's forcing so it ourselves nice. to have a conversation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I guess when it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so whatever, whatever works. Right? Yeah. I, I think it's kind of cool. And, and, you know, I do like the, the possibility and I, I know that this is like way too much for anybody to dig into. And, and I do like the possibility though, of somebody, somebody who is in the exact same position we're in listening to this and being like, Oh, this is actually helpful. You know, um, whether they're going to listen to seven hours of it or not, I don't know. But, you know, maybe they learn to like us. And and also, you know, something that kind of excites me about it is I do think that we are comfortable and I do think it's kind of fun. And maybe over time, if we continue to do it, you know, we will just kind of come up with a format that's not so much about home buying all the time and just like about us and our 40s and, you know, new things that we're doing. Obviously, we'll get into home ownership um, there's going to be all kinds of new stuff that comes with that, but also maybe there'll be other things that we that we try and talk about, and and this could be not that we're ever going to really have any kind of real audience, but maybe someday people will enjoy listening to us BS about various things going on in our lives. And the only reason I say that is because I listen to podcasts, and what happens to me is that I just become invested in the people that I'm listening to, and they become like my friends, and they can talk about anything Mm -hmm. and i'm just along for the ride like you know for the you know for all intents and purposes for the most time for the most part they're usually movie podcasts because i really enjoy movies and you know they'll end up talking about their personal lives or various little things as they're talking about movies and i'm invested and i'm interested so maybe and i'm not saying that's our goal but maybe someday there will be someone that does like make friends with us by listening to us and i for some reason that just seems kind of like a fun prospect not to make money off of or anything, but just kind of cool. That's nice. It's also like my worst nightmare, (laughs) but it's passive. Like Like you have no, I know involvement. Yeah. You know, you just talk into the ether. You're not saying anything damning, you know, you're just sure. Whatever. I don't know. It's kind of fun. So, uh, on the movie tip, uh, before we go, the last thing I'd say we, that we're doing for our first time in our 40s is watching the Rocky series. Oh, yeah. True. I have watched uh, all of the Rocky movies. Have you seen all of them or are you watching no. them for the first time in I've your 40s? i maybe... I don't even know if I had seen one all the way through. Not even a single one. I don't think. I've seen pieces of, of some. I don't think I've ever seen one start to finish until we started our series watching. So you're watching your yeah. the Rocky movies for the first time yeah. at 40. Yep. And mm-hmm. what is your impression of the Rocky series? The greatest. 
It's pretty good. What did we just watch? Was it five or six? Six. I love him. I love old man Rocky. Six is Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to watch six now, 15 years on. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it came out, it was just like, oh, interesting. It's a new Rocky movie. And now enough time's gone by where it's just another Rocky movie in the series. It doesn't feel different. Right. I mean, again, having seen them for the first time and all back to back, it doesn't feel disjointed or different in any way in tone or anything. I mean, it just fits right in. He's just a little older. Yeah. Even more lovable, I think. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have any baggage anymore. And all that big, mushy heart is just all, he's hanging on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, it is interesting to it's watch the Rocky poetic. movies. He, he is very poetic in his aged years because mm-hmm. now he's fully embraced being a mentor as opposed to, you know, fighting it. Obviously, <laughs> fighting it. Being a fighter at first and then fighting the, the, the prospect of becoming a trainer and manager. Um, but... You know, the Rocky movies, when you watch them in a row, in my mind, they always felt so disjointed, you know, because they change so much. Rocky four is so different than Rocky Mm one. And and I kind of always forgot about Rocky two. And then I always knew I kind of like Rocky three, but I didn't know why. But when you watch all six and we're going to get to the Creed ones next. So the story continues. But when you watch all six in a row. You know, the styles change and the corniness is kind of like up and down throughout. Mm -hmm. But the storyline, for the most part, I feel like Stallone was kind of onto something where you are following this guy's trajectory and you're also following, you know, it's not necessarily a reflection on him, but you're following like movie making style through decades where yeah, you know there's definitely the, been some experimentation yeah of, the 70s one yeah. felt like that gritty kind yeah. of scorsese thing and then yeah. in the 80s you get into all that excess and they were defining like montages for a generation mm-hmm. so that was probably kind of in its way groundbreaking and then you know you get to five and you start to get to like the grunge thing where it's all about street fighting and then you get to six, which is like in more felt more like an independent movie. And then you get to Creed, which we're going to watch, which is going to feel like a freaking superhero movie. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it's just going to be really slick. It's going to okay. be very modern very studio. And you're going to see a whole lot of crazy superhero muscles. Okay. Um, not that you didn't in Rocky four because Dolph Lundgren and mm-hmm. Sly were pretty cut. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't know. The Rocky movies, you know, you you think about them. A lot of people think corny, but when you watch them as a as a like a canon, it's pretty dang fun. And the only one for me that was kind of like not that engaging was two. Two, agree. Even yeah. five, like five gets crapped on quite a bit, and eh, I still enjoyed it. Wait, which one was five? The one with Tommy Gunn and with his son, oh, yeah. as about age ten oh, or so. That was good. Uh, no, I don't have a problem. Yeah, a lot of people don't like five because I mean, it I get it. pales in comparison yeah, to three it, and four. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. But, but anyway, not that's, as bad as two. <laughs> that's been a fun little diversion for us during this whole experience to be watching the Rocky movies, and and then we'll uh, we'll throw Creed on top of Creed, and then we'll be done with it. I've not seen Creed two, so we'll report oh, I'm back. I'm bummed out. We only have two more though. Yeah. It's always a sad, okay, like with the non-change liker, I hate closing out a series. I hate a closing <laughs> out of a book series I love or a film series. Like it's, 
Here's one thing Bummer. I can tell you. Here's one thing I can tell yeah. you for sure that will make you feel better. Okay. Is Rocky One can be watched 150 times. Okay. Independently of the others. Rocky One, and, and yes, the whole series is fun. And like for all the things I said, I think kind of important isn't a good word, but like up, it stands strongly as a series. You know, whereas other, you know, like the Saw series or something doesn't. Mm-hmm. It falls apart. Mm-hmm. Rocky stands up on <laughs> Did you own. just compare Rocky and the Saw series? I was thinking of something that goes like seven <laughs> movies long. Okay. That was the first thing I could think of. You didn't think of Fast and the Furious right off the bat? Also no. falls apart. Yeah. Um, or just started terribly. Like Fast and the Furious, like weirdly terribly did like... the way the, through? It did like the opposite where mm-hmm. it started really rocky. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> uh, rocky. rocky. And then they figured it out, and then now it's just like, boom, they're just sailing. Um, and still really fun, but I did not enjoy the first few movies in that series. No, Whereas in Rocky, I felt like I kind of enjoyed them all, except for maybe two mm-hmm. in their own right. But once they get to the fight in two, then it's dope. Like, you know, the yeah, fight the is still is great. A lot better. Right. Yeah. So, uh, however, the point I was making is Rocky 1 will always stand on its own as a great movie to me like i i don't know why it's not in my top 10 like it should be there's so many great scenes so many great characters uh iconic moments and um you know ground break or rule breaking narrative structure um did we introduce you as a film buff and Student, yeah, like, we're we're like, going off like on a tangent. That's important. But point. Rocky One, really, like, and just watching it again, and I, I, I feel like I, I've watched it my entire life. I honestly can't remember the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just great all the way through. P.S. How did I never see that with my dad? I don't know. Right? How did no one ever not watch Rocky One with their dad? I, but I also I remember know. my dad loved Rock. Like my dad loved Rocky One. Yeah. And my dad did like movies, but, you know, that was one of them that he remembered everything about it. Mm-hmm. And it is great. Like, it's just great. Um, Stallone. Dad, yeah. But my dad, like, being the Italian dude. Italian, yeah. Like, well, he did dress he not, up like Rocky. He for, dressed up like him one Halloween, which I remember, but we never, I don't remember him ever watching it. I mean, he must have seen it, obviously. But mm-hmm. I feel like that should have been a thing in our household. Yeah, it's weird that it's not. Right? Or that it wasn't. Yeah. Also, Stallone has a thing in, in Rocky One where he holds on to a bar when he's talking to Adrian. It's a very imposing shot. Like, because mm-hmm. Adrian's this meek little, you know, kind of a, a waif of a character in that first one. I mean, meek is putting it mildly. But he stands over here with his hands on a pull-up bar, just like a pipe or something in his crappy apartment. And his... Is that his lats? What is it on the side here? Like these muscles, yeah, like they're the just so muscles. big and, yeah. he's, and he's so imposing. Um, but also, you know, he's a sweetheart, but if you didn't know better, he looks really scary. And what you're not prepared for as you watch the series is how much bigger Stallone <laughs> is able to get. Because like yeah. he's when you go back, he looks like uh, he kind of looks pudgy in the first one. And compared small. To, I think I said something to you like, oh, he's kind of small small compared to how he get he gets how I so know him from dang later. big yeah. and even in the one that was made uh, 
it's uh let's see it was um 86 96 30 years later mm-hmm. he was musclier 30 years later than he was in the first yeah, one yeah way musclier um but of, still a lot like, of improved nutritional technology he looks great in the first one like he does look great he's cut he and just, he's slim he's slim though he's I mean, not he, as lean yeah. as he gets to be as time goes on anyway yeah they he he went into superhero training mode yeah but now you look at people like Hemsworth or something, and it's like a completely different Wait, level. How are yeah. they figuring this out? Right. How to sculpt bodies that way. Anyway, uh, to go on forever. I, I think um, that's enough. I mean, we, we, we ended up talking the whole time, but this week was a little bit off of the charts and off of the path. But uh, I think that's kind of the story of this week. You know, mm-hmm. there's not much to talk about, and that is unexpected, kind of appreciated. Yeah little breath in there and we'll see what How happens are you feeling in general i'm ready like i'm ready to do mm-hmm. it and move yeah how about you ready to move too oh well oh this is the other thing that happened just a couple of days ago not to keep us going but um so we had given the sellers two months to stay in the place while we pay for it while they find their new house that was part of our attractive deal mm-hmm. but their new house purchase seems to be going well. And we just got word a couple of days ago that maybe our two months are going to go down to one month, which is great news because that will save us money on double paying rent Mm -hmm. and a mortgage. But unexpected news in the sense that I thought we had this long leisurely window to pack. Now we only have one month to pack. Furniture, go through all our stuff that we need to weed out. I firmly believe that a month is plenty of time to do that. I don't think so. You would have put it off for a month and then done it in a month anyway. (laughs) So now you just have to do it. Yeah, it's true. It's probably true. uh, The packing will be something that we'll probably be talking about because going through your stuff is stressful and exhausting um, and also cleansing. Mm -hmm. So you just have to look at the bright side of it. Yeah. And the furniture buying in the new place will be something where we can finally buy furniture for the space. Do we have money to buy furniture for the space? Eventually we will. I mean, (laughs) we don't need to now, but like that's another thing about renting is that you never like, you know, anytime you buy furniture, one, you don't necessarily buy the most expensive. But even if you do, you got to hope that it fits into the place you move into because you're always going to move. Right. You never rent a place forever. Right. So, you know. Yeah. I'm excited about that too. I... I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit like we're going to get there. We're going to have to wedge in whatever we own currently yeah. because we don't have money to do a refurnished job no. right now on top of all the house repairs, on top of the down payment. I feel like that's going to make us a little sad because it's going to be a little weird for a moment. Yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a transition and I think that those things are pretty normal. Um, and I think we'll probably also be surprised by what we can pull off, you know, over the course of a couple of months. You know, not that we're going to buy the fanciest furniture, but we can probably find stuff that'll work Yeah. until we get nice stuff. But you can give yourself, you know, a few years to really furnish a place if you're on a budget, mm-hmm. which we will be. Yeah. So that's all right. I can live with that. Don't worry. I'm scouring those Facebook garage sale sites. As long as we have a couch and a TV. <laughs> And maybe They're an outdoor dining space. They're all coming with us. Check, check, check. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, lots to talk about next week. Next week, the house may be ours, and we're going to be out a whole... Well, not out a bunch of money, but we're going to move a whole bunch of money out of its liquid form into a much more solid brick-and-mortar form. I'm very excited. Are you excited? (laughs) Very excited. Hard to read. All right. Well, uh, as always, uh, we'll talk to you in about a week. And have lots of updates, hopefully. And um, what do we say? This is our first time. Mm-hmm. See oh, you next time. There's, oh. An, there's an outro coming up this yep. week. It's gonna, oh. You're going to hear it in a couple seconds, I'm all right? Excited. All right. So this is our first time. We'll see you next time. First time in 40.